welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 52nd episode, I'll be talking to Mac Weaver, co-host of The Gem Jam and I Will Fight You, about classic romance novels. Along the way, we discuss the cutthroat world of cow beauty pageants, a reality show so perfect it may have arrived through divine providence, and simultaneously discover the Pina Colada song for pirates and the phantom menace of romance novels. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on the map of you. We join this conversation already in progress. So for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? Hello, everybody. I am Mac from the Gym Jam, and I will fight you. Probably known as the quieter one of the trio. But generally, I like talking about 80s glam rock, and I love talking about various television shows and arguing about how right I am about them. Other than that, my most unique feature happens to be that I have an all-consuming love for both serial killers and dating sims. But I don't actually love serial killers. I don't want to, like, date them. I just want to read about them. I was going to say that that particular... In, you're not in the middle of that Venn diagram, right? <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> don't want to date them. That sounds like a bad idea. And anyone who's listened to the Gem Jam will know that Mac is the resident Riot fan. I love Riot so much. He is so villainous. And he's such a fucking douchebag. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Except for in, the, in a couple episodes where he's actually a really fucking nice guy. But then you turn around and he's a fucking douchebag the rest of the time. And then he convinces Jim that she's actually dead and that nobody's missing her. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's wacky. We haven't gotten to that episode yet. You'll see it soon. It's great. Riot being a nice guy is kind of like those occasional <laughs> issues of the Fantastic Four when Doctor Doom will do something and it's actually like slightly beneficial, but he's doing it for his own <laughs> evil reasons. Yes. It just happens to coincide with what needs to get done. There's like a whole pro ZD sketch on YouTube where he's just like, where the evil villain keeps trying to do something that's a mastermind and he just keeps fucking it up and doing good things. <laughs> you just cured our problem with our safe drinking water. God damn it. <laughs> it's one of the thrilling adventure hour sketches where one of the villains for Captain Laserbeam is like, oh, I'm going to invest in libraries and children's literacy programs <laughs> to bankrupt the video game industry and make sure the kids are reading all the time. And he's like, that's finished. Wait, what? <laughs> and like his henchman has to be like, no, no, right. It's an evil plan. Yes. Right, Captain Laserbeam? It's totally evil and he shouldn't do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally fiendish. <laughs> Teaching children to read. Yeah, who'd want that? You monster. <laughs> it's, it's like that Miss Misery thing where it's like, unless you're doing something that you classify as evil, you become physically ill. Yes. <laughs> oh, but he's so dreamy. <laughs> I gotta look up pictures of Riot now. And your son, Tech Rat. Don't forget Tech Rat. My son, Tech Rat. Oh, God, I shouldn't have typed Riot pictures into Google. It's pictures of people rioting. Lame. Riot pictures. Jim. I was say, at least if you type Tech Rat into Google, you'll, all you'll get is like cool cybernetic rats. Yes. <laughs> or <laughs> whiny people with pink trench coats that say, don't touch me. Don't touch me. 
He's not a weirdo. He's a genius. Oh, my son. <laughs> so precious. Him and his terrible hair. Your son who got to be the shower. Oh, the <laughs> he did grow up to be the shower. Oh, he's so beautiful. That's our dream. In the next couple gym comics, she appears and he has five moms. Three moms, I guess. <laughs> oh my god. Possess, what is this costume even? What does a shower have to do with skeletons? <laughs> oh, he's so cute. Because Possess's references are always at least too deep. <laughs> they are. Mad Mardigan? Come on. Yes. One of the highlights of the continuing listening of the Jam Jam is listening to Mad Mardigan watch. And from what I understand, he is a good kitty. He is such a good kitty. He is always curled up in a corner or he's always ready there to snoof you whenever it's time. He just wants the pets and the snugs and the wet food. He's ready to what you? What was the verb you used there? Uh, he's a snoof. Snoof. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All cat owners know what a snoof is, even if they've never heard the word before. It's like with dogs when they lay on their stomach with their front paws out and their back paws out behind them. It's referred to as a sploot. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that does sound perfect. Yeah, and corgis and Texans <laughs> are very good at splooting. Oh my gosh, corgis would be so good at splooting. With Junior, it's like when, when we were throwing the ball for him at the park and he decides that he's still interested, but he has to like cool his jets for a minute. Like he'll like get the ball and on his turn before he comes back, the front legs will keep going and then the back legs will stiffen and then slide. <laughs> And he does, like, this little, like, short baseball slide. And then sits there panting, just like, eh, ah, ah. <laughs> He's good value, that dog. <laughs> I, I wish I still had, I used to have a dog with my old roommate, Bethany. Zelda, of course. I really miss how excited she'd get anytime we did anything. Because <laughs> now I've just got this lump. Cats will, uh, will occasionally, like, bring up a mild disdain. But that's about <laughs> as good as you get. Yeah, exactly. I guess Stin does get excited sometimes whenever I pick up his mouse toy, but that's about it. Yeah, my cats only get excited in their toys if I'm actively not looking. Because <laughs> if I try and, like, participate, if I see, like, Olive will be occasionally batting a mouse toy, and I'll be like, oh, he wants me to throw it, and so I'll throw it, and he'll look at me like, Ugh, why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, see, if I touch Stin's mouse toy, immediately it's high-pitched squeaking and excited trots back and forth until I finally throw it, and he'll chase after it and bring it back to me. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan for Sten the cat dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need a dog butt. I need to become a mad scientist at some point in my life. Well, let's start with the basics. Whereabouts did you grow up? I actually grew up not far from Annie in Indiana, in a small town first known as Lagodi, which is only really well-known and well-known, I use loosely, for being about 20 minutes away from a place called Hindostan Falls, which used to be a thriving town and was going to possibly be a capital of Indiana, but then suddenly the yellow fever hit and thousands of people died. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that does kind of put a damper on your plans. <laughs> and then when I was eight, my parents divorced and I moved to a smaller place called Freelandville, which had a total of 130 people living in it. Wow. I lived on a cow farm from then on out and showed cattle for 4-H. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, all right, I'm going to show my ignorance here because I have <laughs> lived in rural areas, but I have no idea what 4-H people actually Ooh. do. I've driven past many of their signs. Yeah. But I don't know what they actually do. Uh, allow me to state the 4-H pledge for you. I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to better service, and my health to better living for my club, my community, my country, and my world. And mostly it means that whenever there's a fair going on, you'll do a bunch of projects, turn them in, see if you get ribbons or get grand champion. If you get grand champion, you get to go to state. And mostly you get bragging rights for a little bit. <laughs> I also, however, showed cows, which means that during the fairs, I got to go sit in the barn from 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. and clean up cow <laughs> shit and occasionally take my cows out, cover them with paint and primp them to look pretty and then lead them around a, an arena in 110 degree swampy heat. 
Wait, you paint your cows? Don't they? Yeah. Isn't that cheating? No, it's actually not. There's actually a full brand of like a spray can cow paint, also useful for horses and sheep, that you go in and just kind of, you even out your, because whenever you're getting your cows ready for showing, like you'll brush their hair on their legs up to make their legs look fuller and you'll actually spray it down with like hairspray. And then the hairspray kind of turns their hair white if you have a black cow. So you got to use the black paint to make it look black again. And there's red paint to do it and there's white paint to do it. It's, it's complicated. And they swallowed the spider to catch the fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to like make a little mohawk of your cow's tail to make it look straight. You got to <laughs> shave their back hair to make their backs look nice. Uh, so you kind of lengthen and all this stuff. And then you have to fluff up their sides and use foam on it to fluff it up even more. It's complicated. This sounds like a weird combination of everything <laughs> I've heard about bodybuilding competitions <laughs> and like teen beauty pageants. It kind of is, but for cows. <laughs> it's like, cool, you got to look good, smile pretty with Vaseline on your teeth. <laughs> also, you got to power lift 350 pounds. <laughs> How's your clean and jerk oh, and gosh. your swimsuit competition? You also got to know all the answers about where cow parts are. Because during some showmanship and some other competitions, you know, the judge might walk up to you and just kind of linger nearby, freaking your cow out if your cow's not trained. And will be like, mm-hmm. so, do you think your cow's loin is pretty good? And you're like... <laughs> I guess. And you gotta sell your cow. To which my answer instantly, instantly pops in. It just goes, better than yours. (laughs) (laughs) My cow's loin would kick the shit out of your loin, pal. Yeah, my cow could beat the fuck out of your loin. It would win on the loin competition. If we chopped my cow up right now, people would kill for that loin. Although the thing is, testing you versus in a competition where the cow is being measured. You know, it's kind of like when you go to choir competitions and then the conductor gets the prize. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, you didn't sing shit. You didn't sing shit. You just waved your hands around, keeping us on beat, asshole. You did one, two, three, and then you pointed <laughs> at me. Yeah. I could point at you anytime you want. <laughs> you gotta set your cow up right. Yeah. There's a science to it. After 10 years of that shit, you bet I know it. I was gonna say, you've got the ins and outs. <laughs> you mm-hmm. could be hired as a ringer for cow beauty pageants. <laughs> I got pretty good about telling what cow would win. To see you coming in and walking around a cow and making little tutting noises and going, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> this is what you give me. I am state champion. Twice. That shit is fucking bloodthirsty too, I tell you what. Like, I had an enemy that I hated. Oh my god. Yeah, it was the Wilcox family. And like, Diane Wilcox was basically my age. But the Wilcox family is super fucking rich. I remember one year we had a really good calf that one of my old cows had birthed. I think it was Dahlia. Dahlia was beautiful. Meanwhile, she went out and bought this amazing fucking cow for $20,000. And I'm like, why in the fuck, part one, would you spend $20,000 on a beef cow that you're going to show for one year and then it's going to be fucking hamburger? (laughs) In part two, are are you just literally doing this so you win the state competition and become grand champion? Is that that all you're doing it for? Oh, and she's like, oh, no, no. Also, there's spite. But in my vindication, she completely bombed that year. So, <laughs> fuck you, Diana. Okay, I see. I, I, now I just want to know what $20,000 a cow looks like. <laughs> you know, where, where does the money go? <laughs> Cow's got solid gold fillings. I mean, she put it in like a... It was raised in a barn with air conditioning and uh, fans on it constantly so the hair gets thicker. Because that's a big thing in cow show competitions. <laughs> oh, yeah. The styling is, is, is very highly ruined. Yes, it's very important. Now I'm just picturing, like, top model judging on cows. <laughs> this is very much a catalog style, and really, <laughs> you've got to be bringing up your game. Because, I mean, you're coming with these looks. It's the same looks we've seen last week. You still look like a fucking cow. All right? I want you to look better than a cow. 
You need to impress me or you'll be out of here. <laughs> and of course, the cow then just looks like chastised and goes like, thank you. And then just kind of sneaks back to the back. <laughs> I've been watching too much Top Model lately. <laughs> I love me some Top Model. See, I get really, like, because I'm a photographer, so I get yeah. really upset at Top Model when they blame the models <laughs> for some of the shoots. And I'm like, no, yeah. that's a shitty photograph. You have not framed that correctly. <laughs> you know? Like, they had one in the Australia's next Top Model, which is a horse of a different color. It was a thing where, like, they got six frames. like, And it was at, like, a motocross show. Yeah. And they had to do it, like, where it had, like, a monster truck or, like, three dirt bikes whip by in the background. And in the direct moment where the bikes or the truck crosses the frame, they had to pose. And they only got six frames. Oh, God. Because that's how long it took to turn around the cars or bikes yeah. and do it again. And they did this in such a rush. And it was an absolute nightmare of a shoot. Yeah. And then you can see the photographer getting mad that they didn't get it. And I'm like, dude. What the fuck? That's your job. They only have six frames. Yeah. And also, there's a fucking Bigfoot behind them. That yeah. They're probably feeling in their rib cage. You know? Yes. <laughs> what cycle of Australian top model is this? Oh, God. Now I have to watch this. I've never seen the Australian top model. What's funny, though, is it's that it's way less about, you know, the cattiness of the back and forth. But yeah. they do they go a lot more in on the stunts. Like, there was at one point yeah. where they had a, a vertical model walk where they had to step <laughs> off of a platform and using pulleys walk down the side of the building as if it was, oh, like, a runway. Oh, God. Face down, too. You know, and it's like four yeah. stories straight down. And some of them are not holding yeah. it together. And it's like, yeah, no. yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. able to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hold it together for that either. Cindy Crawford would be grabbing her drawers <laughs> for a good reason. And yeah. they're like, you just didn't bring your all to this challenge. And it's like, no. You got to remain focused and keep calm throughout the whole thing. Because you never know what they'll throw at you. You can turn you that know. shit down in the modeling world. <laughs> What are they going to do? And also, I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to reality television in that I can only maintain an interest if I feel the participants believe the scenario. So, yeah. for example, my interest in Survivor is watching people work together to actually survive. Like, do things yeah. like, you know, cobble together food out of little ingredients, or this is how you make water work, or this is how you make a fire. Yeah. Like, that kind of stuff is interesting to me. Forget alliances, forget immunity, I don't care. You know, show, show me people who have to, like, rough it and survive and not kill each other. Oh, God. That's what I want. Yeah. But the minute someone comes in and be like, I've watched every episode of Survivor. I know how to play the game. I know how to, like, set up fake alliances and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, shut up. Shut up. Oh, God. Go the fuck away. Show me how to make a fire. Yeah. So with Top Model, the most recent one that I was watching, it's like someone's coming in and like, I'm already a model but I want to be a different kind of model or yeah. I have a gigantic brand on Instagram and my own skincare line and I want to take it to the next <laughs> level. And I'm like, this is a show where you turn nobodies into models. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Why are you here? Yeah, get the fuck away. Yeah, I always hate whenever they start bragging and, and, and going on, like you said, just, I'm already a famous model in New York City. Okay, fuck off. I don't want you here. Go live your life. Yeah. You don't need this. You don't need to be known as the crazy one who screams at people and tells them to keep your, <laughs> keep your name out of their mouth and stuff. Yes. I'm really big on, like, the cooking reality TV shows, but my favorite all-time reality TV show is David Tatera's wedding show. I don't know, there's something about just seeing him standing there while this couple drives their wedding. Yes, we want to have a poker and an ice cream and, and Snow Queen and California and Monte Carlo and Paris-themed wedding, which hints at my Hindu roots in India. And you can just see his face just slowly becoming this look of horror. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> there's something about watching him do that that just makes my heart fill with pure joy. And then when he reaches forward and touches the bride's shoulder and goes, I really like the idea for that winter ice cream wedding that you mentioned. And she's like, oh, well, what about all the other themes? And he's like, that winter ice cream wedding sounds great. Well, let's focus on that and put everything else over here to be forgotten quietly in the closet. It fills my heart with glee. And there's so many variations on the wedding reality show. Like there's one, I actually forget the name, but it's like where they have the groom plan the wedding. Oh, yeah. Including things like picking out the dress and stuff. It's, it's one from the UK. Oh my god, I hadn't even heard of this one. And it's just like watching these guys who are like, you know, working in gas stations and stuff. And they're like, alright, you need to pick it out. And they're doing things like, oh, you know, like I think at one point a guy was like, I don't need to pay for the tailor to fix my pants. I'm going to staple them. And they'll look fine. <laughs> and, he pi- and he picked up her dress like secondhand on sale. Oh my god. And like it was amazing. And, it's like, and then of course the big reveal of the bride who turns up on the day and doesn't know anything that's happening and just watching yeah. the crushing disappointment. <laughs> and like, oh god. Oh, that sounds like my kind of show, honestly. Oh, but I have to tell you about my favorite reality show. Now the thing is, do you know about the Geordie Shore? Yes. Okay, for the listeners who don't know, it's uh, the UK's version of the Jersey Shore, except with people whom you cannot understand without subtitles. <laughs> At one point, they did a marathon on New Year's, and I watched like eight straight hours of that show. (laughs) And I lost the ability to feel feelings at the end of it. (laughs) But what happened is that, okay, from Geordie Shore, there's a bunch of air quotes personalities that have found new careers. And they often go on to shows like X on the Beach, which is where they take reality stars and do like a Bachelor in Paradise thing, where they introduce like random exes from their past. And people always fight and get drunk and punch each other. It's, It's magical. That sounds incredible. But my favorite spinoff of the Geordie Shore is called Just Tattoo of Us. Oh, my God. Have you heard of the show? No, I haven't heard of that. All right, sounds, so it already sounds great. The two hosts are Bear and Charlotte, and they're former Geordie Shore contestants. And what happens is they get pairs of people to come in. And the pairs of people can be friends, or can be dating, or can be married, or father and child, or any combination, like best friends. And the rules are you have to agree to let your friend choose a tattoo and placement of said tattoo. Oh, God. Tattoo it on you, sight unseen, and then reveal, and you get to see what tattoo they chose for you and tell them what you think. However, you're also doing the same for them. Yeah. So it's like Prisoner's Dilemma. Yes, like yeah. Prisoner's Dilemma, exactly. That's what I was about to say. You could do something horrible and win, technically, but if they do something horrible to you, then you both lose. Yeah, but it's like, or you could do something really sweet and you're the good friend, yeah. but then you're still stuck with a shitty tattoo because, <laughs> and the thing is, the tattoos themselves are almost always really well done because they've got some very fantastic yeah. artists in there who all have their own personalities and stuff and are saying things like, they'll go to camera and they'll be like, I have never done a tattoo this bad. This is the worst. <laughs> like, and then the thing is, because the whole show is, and they have at least four reveals, so they do it simultaneously. So they'll yeah. cut back and forth between the different people. And there have been chairs thrown. There have been relationships destroyed. It's oh my kind of amazing. And I think that my best, <laughs> the best response was, was like someone revealed one. And it's just the response is, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and she turned. And it was Donald Trump oh on his ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> forever. A photorealistic, angry Donald Trump on his ass forever. And the thing is, there was a couple, Kyle and Holly, who are longtime, just like horrible people from Geordie Shore, where they're just like, yeah. they're a couple, but they constantly fight and throw things and like break up and make up and all kinds of yeah. stuff. 
So they went in, and Kyle got his own face tattooed on the back of Holly's neck, as wide as her neck. Oh, God. And she chose to get his two grandfather's initials tattooed on the soles of his feet so that their souls would be on his souls forever because they had died in the previous year. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) (laughs) One of these is super sweet. The others isn't. Yeah, and this is like, she's looking in the corner, and she's like, what's that? He's like, because that's because I'm always looking out for you. It's like, you're always fucking watching me, is what? <laughs> so yes, just Tattoo of Us. I think the first season just finished up. It is like reality television gold. <laughs> well, I know what I'm going to be doing after we're done. Just going to be watching a ton of reality TV. It's one of those things. And at the end, the two hosts who know each other have to pick one for each other. <laughs> And it's like they've spent the entire show just being awful and catty to one another. And yeah. then it's like, oh, you've got to put yourself <laughs> in the hands of this terrible person that you've been hanging out with for the last year. Awesome. It's a combination of the greatest things about reality television, but also proof that maybe we shouldn't continue as a species. Yeah. Maybe we should just give up and die. <laughs> All right. So when you were sitting out in the barn, hairspraying your cow yeah. into a mohawk, what sort of kid were you? I was a weird kid. One of my favorite things to talk about is how I developed a second personality when I was a kid. Okay. Named Rufus. Okay. <laughs> and anytime I got in trouble, I would deny that I did anything and say that Rufus did it. God damn it, Rufus. <laughs> I explicitly remember if there was this one time where my older sister, Christina, was talking on the phone to her then boyfriend. I'm the baby, and I'm the baby by a lot. So there's me, and then my next youngest older sibling is 10 years older than me. I was maybe four. That means Christina was 18 or 19. She either just graduated high school or she was about to. And she was talking to her boyfriend. I was upset for some reason about this, and so I snuck in and I used the scissors to cut the phone line. <laughs> And then I fled as everybody in the house started yelling at me. I got to the stairs going up to my room because my room was on the second floor and everybody else was on the first floor. And as I got up there, my mom was like, what in the fuck were you think you think you're doing? And I was like, I didn't do anything. Rufus, cut the cord, mom. You have to go after Rufus. (laughs) And that just kind of developed. And on top of that, I was super into math. And so I constantly did math puzzles all the time. And then whenever we played X-Men, I wanted to play Rogue and kill everybody. (laughs) And everybody was just like, Mackenzie, how about you just be Storm for a little while and kind of chill out? I'm like, no, fuck you guys. Also, do they know Storm? Storm never chills out. No, Storm never chills out. Storm will meet you at the monorail. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, no, fuck you guys. I want to see all your powers. <laughs> but then when we hit fourth grade, I kind of achieved bully status, honestly. Okay. Yeah. It's maybe a first on the math of you that someone yeah. identified as a bully. I was never really a douche to the kids who most other bullies bullied. I was a bully to the bullies. Uh, the, bu- the classic bully hunter. The bully hunter. I would, I would seek them out. I remember one time I walked outside... And my friend Tyler was crying because someone had torn some of his Pokemon cards, which was a fucking grave sin, I tell you what. And I was just like, who did this to you? And he was like, Ryan did it. And Ryan was this douchebag who had harassed almost everybody. And he was over playing soccer. And so I walked over and as he was about to go kick the soccer ball, I grabbed it from him. And this is fourth grade. And I said, you're a fucking dick. And you know, it's fourth grade. So (laughs) fucking is a big word at that point. And everybody looks shocked as they gather around. And he goes, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, this. And I lifted up the soccer ball and smashed it in his face. And Ryan never bothered Tyler again after that. So, you know, I won. Ryan ate with a straw for a few months. No. But really, it was the moral victory. <laughs> it's the 
moral victory, really, here. And so, yeah, I was kind of the bully, and I was a weirdo. Even then, I was kind of obsessed with weird shit, because I remember watching a bunch of crime shows when I was a kid, and Mom was like, why are you watching those? You're like eight. And I'm like, Mom, I gotta figure out who's murdering people. (laughs) And... I just constantly went on adventures and had near-death things happen to me. That was my life as a kid. My partner, Kimiko, loves watching true crime documentaries. Oh, they're so good. But when I ask her, like, stuff like cold justice and things. Yeah. And she's just like, I'm like, what? so what, what's the allure? And she's like, well, because see, if I want to murder you, I want to know how to do it so I don't get caught. <laughs> and so we'll be watching one. And then she'll hear like, oh, they dumped the body in a grain silo. So the body was desiccated and didn't smell. And because the grain silo was so deep and the natural kind of browning in motion of the grain brought it down to the bottom and slowly began to desiccate it and remove any trace of the body. And she looked at me and she goes, I wonder if there are any grain silos in Sydney. And so I pull up Siri on my phone. And I'm like, Siri, where's the nearest grain silo? And it says, five dock. I'm like, there you go. It's a short drive. And she's like, oh, no, I would never use my own car. It's a rookie mistake, Lucas. <laughs> it's a rookie mistake. Annie and John, because I used to live with them, used to always say stuff like, well, we at least know we're safe from Mac if she ever decides to go on a killing spree because people always kill those closest to him. So she'd be first in line. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's true. The closer you come to me, the less likely I am to murder you. Yeah, it's got to be that Mr. Brooks thing. You got to drive two towns yeah. over and pick a stranger. Yeah, just find somebody random walking down the street, murder them. Suddenly you win. You see someone like be a jerk to a homeless person and you're like, you. (laughs) You, do you want a soccer ball in the face? And you make a little Kenny Omega finger gun. You're like. (laughs) To bring back bookends, I'd have to get a soccer ball and just smash them in the face until I die. This is for Ryan. This is on behalf of Ryan. I bet you get like a cool nickname in the tabloids like the striker. (laughs) The goalie. I guess I want to be the goalie because then I'd be blocking the soccer balls. That's true. The kicker. Well, I guess it could be goalie too because I'm using my hands. Ah. Ah, there we go. But see, knowing tabloid journalism, it would probably just end up being like the soccer slayer. (laughs) What? Which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer video game I would play. Oh my god. I'd be so into that. You could stack your team with potentials and then activate your limit break and suddenly they all have slayer powers. So among your topics here, I mean, we've talked a little bit about some of them. We talked about missing persons. We talked about serial killers and beef cattle. But let's talk about romance novels and dating sims. So you can start with whichever one you like. I got into romance novels first as a kid because my mom had a giant bookshelf of them. When I ran out of books, I would just start reading what was on her bookshelf, which actually led to something horrifying when I was a kid. Oh. Because the first book I read was A Cradle and All by James Patterson. In chapter... 22, I think, 32, 42. It's, a, it's got a two. I know that much. There is a gangbang, and it's lovingly detailed, and I didn't know what to think about that at 10 years old. <laughs> but I had read Pern most of my life, so I guess I was as prepared for it as one could be. And so you were thinking, wow, that's a lot of dragons getting busy, if that's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a lot of dragon fucking. Okay, I've just looked up the cover for Cradle and All, and <laughs> one, it has a raven perching on an L. <laughs> Secondly, the all is in red, and it's there's some sort of sentient mist coming out of a floating baby carriage. And I don't mean floating in that there's just a baby carriage on a background. Like, it is clearly shown to be five to six inches above its shadow on the floor. So, 
Mackenzie, what happened in this book that there was an evil red mist coming out of a floating baby carriage that also led to a gangbang? It's all about how the new Jesus is being born. Ah. And so they're trying to figure out who the new Virgin Mary is. And uh, there's two possibilities, and they're both named the same thing. One is in, like, New York, and the other is in Ireland. They're trying to figure out which of them is carrying Satan's child, and which of them's carrying God's child. This sounds like the beginning of Good Omens. <laughs> it basically is, but it's not as good. <laughs> Only, this takes itself too seriously. Good Omens, you can at least rely on Pratchett and Guyman to carry it through. And this one, it's all, which one is actually the devil? And people are constantly throwing rocks at them and saying that they're the devil. And there's lots of crying and lots of tearful hugs, and the main character is a non-detective a non-detective a non-detective <laughs> nuns with guns she's like trying to figure this out and she's traveling back and forth holding up her crosses i'm gonna just spoil this for everybody so anybody who cares about a book that came out many years ago and isn't that good in the end it turns out that one of the people the irish lady has satan's and had the gangbang the new york lady just had been raped and was crying a lot and then it turns out the nun is going to have jesus's baby because she's a nun the end. She names her baby Noel. She falls in love with Satan's baby later. It's stupid. What? <laughs> Wait, she falls in love with the baby. This is some Twilight level imprinting. No, no, no. In the prologue, she's like 18 and he's 19 and he's staring at her from the bushes and he's like, with lust in his heart. And, and she looks over towards him and feels nothing but love. And it's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's like the book is even saying, look, it's 18 and 19. This isn't weird at all that I want you to picture these teenagers boning down. Yeah, exactly. It's like when, and this is prescient because I am reading this at the moment, <laughs> when you finish Dune and Alia is a kid and then you go to the second book and she's suddenly 17 because, the, hey, look, time skip. Now we can talk about sexy stuff. And it's still super uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable. <laughs> One of the non-Pern and McCaffrey books did that too. The Talent series. There was there was the Rowan yeah. was the first one, and Damia was the second one. Yeah. And they had like her guardian for when she was a kid, like her bodyguard. And it's like she grew up just oh, yeah. enough, and she would. Oh look, she's trying to. T- it's, like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. Oh yeah, that Genji shit is so uncomfortable. It's less like oh god, you. It, it's child husbandry. You just raised that kid so you could fuck it later. Please stop. <laughs> I don't want to hear about this, please. <laughs> please enough. stop it. I swear they do it a lot. A lot of books do it. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. But coming back to romance novels that aren't written by James Patterson. Oh, right. Then after that, then I started reading all the other books on her shelf, which were all a bunch of Harlequin books. And most of them have the same kind of plot you eventually run into. But the thing about them is the details, because the details are always different. And that's what makes the book. So I remember the first one I really remember reading, because I read a few of them. But the first one that I really remember is Desire in Disguise. Which let me get you the cover of that book. Desire in Disguise book. By Rebecca Brandywine. Oh, in disguise. Not in the skies. It's not air pirates. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not air pirates. It is pirates, however. <laughs> of course Rebecca it is. Brandywine. Don't fail me now. Wait, her name is Rebecca Brandywine. She... No, that's obvious. It's Come on. It's just a fake name. We all know it is. There you go. Look at that beautiful thing. <laughs> oh, my good Lord. I think I would have seen something like this, but you know where I would have seen it? At the laundromat in Fredericton, New Brunswick, <laughs> next to the candy machine, they had a spinner rack of romance novels, but it didn't have the full <laughs> cover like this. It would have the black cover with the keyhole peekaboo <laughs> thing in the middle, and you would just yeah. see their faces. And of yeah. course, being a kid, you'd go, what the hell is that? And then you open it, you'd go, oh. <laughs> exactly. My mom just had this on the shelf, right for the grabbing. And so I pulled it down and it's about a woman who is being forced into a marriage with her cousin because this is like a pre-revolutionary France. Meanwhile, while she's also being forced into this marriage, she's also masquerading as a pirate known as Rouge. 
who is going out there and, and saving the poor peasants from the evil nobles. See, this is I've, I've read too much fanfic because my first thought is they probably meant rogue. Oh, yeah. As Rouge is traveling, she meets another sexy pirate named Noir. Because, of course, Ro- Rouge and Noir. Noir is super sexy, and there's this whole fucking um, there's this whole fucking paragraph where after they meet, there's a whole paragraph start... about fucking. I bet too. But... Yeah, they're fucking exactly, and it's like first they describe it as he stuck his sword in his in her moist sheath. <laughs> it develops into this the most twisted orgasm metaphor I've ever heard. Her whole brain went supernova as lightning struck down her spine and sent jelly quivering down. It's like okay, we just mi- we just mix like four images there. Stick to one. We're fine. Supernova, lightning, jelly. Yes. Yeah, so right, cool. Supernova, lightning, jelly, and then I know at some point... It's my favorite uh, Yu-Gi-Oh attack. <laughs> Supernova, lightning, jelly. It totally beats Blue Eyes White Dragon. You've activated my trap card. <laughs> of course, the, the reader recognizes immediately that Noir is really her cousin that she's also marrying. And there's this big scene where she's like, I don't want to have sex with my cousin because we're getting married. And he's like, oh, I've already had sex with her because he's figured it out. But he's like, I can't let her realize I'm noir or else something's fucked up. I don't know what's fucked up. It's like every, it's, it's like Jim, really. Why can't, why can't Jerrica admit I, that she's I Jim? I was just about to say. Stage fright. Makes more sense. This one didn't make any sense. And so he's like really cold with her, but she's like, wow, for some reason I really like it because he's hot. And this just keeps going on until finally the French Revolution happens and they flee to England. <laughs> That's one way to end your book. <laughs> And as they flee to England, she realizes they're on Noir's boat. And she's like, she's like motherfucker. <gasps> motherfucker. And he's like, yes, baby. And then they make out and it's the last couple pages. And she realizes she's pregnant because babies ever after. Oh, my God. Ending a book with the French Revolution <laughs> is like the novel equivalent of rocks fall, everyone dies. <laughs> from there, I have just developed this wide array of interest with romance novels. So like for my birthday, which was last month, my mom just sent me a box full of shitty cowboy romances. <laughs> and I am so delighted. It's a marriage of your interests. I bet you're it sitting is. there going, describe the cows. Tell, tell me how the cows look. <laughs> tell me about the cows. How painted are they? For Christmas, I actually got a bunch of gift cards, so I just spent them all on other romance novels, mostly about Regency-era England. If you go out to my bookshelf, my poor roommates, I live with two guys. Neither of them have any interest in romance books, but our bookshelves, if people come over, 99% of them are filled with romance novels with names like Marrying the Millionaire or Carrying Bigfoot's Baby and stuff like that. And they're like, oh my God, please, please. And I'm like, no, we're good. This is what we are. See, my ex was super into romance novels as well. She would claim that they were like a way of her kind of turning her brain off because her job was very cerebral and kind of brain intensive. And so it's like she would come home and read these. But the problem is we both got a Kindle at the same time and we both had the same account. So uh, I still get recommendations for Lisa Kleipas novels. Like... I'm looking right now. It's like one dance with a duke, twice tempted by a rogue, three nights with a scoundrel, Christmas Eve at Friday Harbor. Half my recommendations are things like that. If I ever go off on an Amazon review, I always go off on a romance novel. <laughs> so one of my more scathing ones, I compared one of the books I'd read to fucking Phantom Menace of romance novels. <laughs> We just get re- really like bogged down in senatorial processes. Yeah, it was so boring. He wanted to take her, but she was in the midst of a filibuster, and so he had to wait. <laughs> so he had to bide his time. 
He had to bide his time from when he was eight and she was 14 until he was suddenly 16 or whatever. Oh my god. Sometimes when I'm reading, I will just start telling everybody around me about whatever I'm reading. And then everybody's like, Mackenzie, please, we don't care. And I'm like, nope, nope, you're hearing about the stupid book I'm reading. You have to suffer this with me. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even really that I'm turning off my brain or anything. I'm just delighted by the weirdness in a lot of them. Or just, like, the slight humor they're poking at themselves. And I'm always delighted by the metaphors they use for sex. I love purple prose. Give me all the purple prose in the world and I'm happy. I'm almost afraid to ask for examples, apart from the (laughs) supernova lightning jelly. Supernova lightning jelly. Purple helmeted soldier is a great one. (laughs) That's a dick, by the way, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Really shouldn't be that purple. See a doctor (laughs) if the purple lasts more than 24 hours. What are others that come to mind? Everybody's always heard the galloping abs from the one book. Everybody's everybody's heard that one. That was a meme for a while. The thing is, I cannot tell if that suffers from the whole post theory, where I can't tell if it's satire or not, because there are novels literally written like that. I've read them. I am not ashamed to say that I have read a book about a menage a trois with ghosts <laughs> and how the ghost members were described. I have read that shit. It's not a very good, it's it's an erotica. It's not very good. I do not recommend it, but it is free. So I guess I got what I paid for and it's fine. I only wasted like 10 minutes. It's 10 pages at most. I spent like half of it giggling. So I guess, I guess it wasn't a total loss. See, whenever I get too far into the subject, I think back to you and I apologize. This is a tangent. I've (laughs) talked a few times. There's a a podcast I used to watch that's now becoming a new form called NSFW and they did a crowdsourcing romance novel. Oh my God. Like the equivalent of the Naked Came the Stranger, which was a thing in the 70s. Yeah. But they did it with their chat room and they said, okay, everyone gets one chapter. We're going to coordinate this and we're going to say, all right, we're going to call it the Diamond Club, which is the name for their group. And they said, all right, so here's the thing. The Diamond Club is a place. Our protagonist, who they named after Ye Gods, a third grade teacher of theirs. And the author, Patricia Harkins Bradley. And, and they said, all right, here is the structure of all the chapters. She goes to the club. She meets a person with an of-the-moment job, like cupcake artist or angel investor. And they meet, they have a short conversation, and then all the banging happens. <laughs> and if you're ever at a loss of what to do, and it's like he just starts banging his fist into his hand, like, banging. Just all the time. <laughs> One conversation, <laughs> boom, you're in there. I have not read the whole, and the thing is, they put it on for 99 cents, hoping to knock yeah. at least one of the Fifty Shades of Grey books off the Amazon chart list, and they did, <laughs> because they, they put it forth as a real novel, and so therefore it was not. Oh, they, ended, they ended up using the money they made to throw a giant party for everyone who had helped at Dragon Con. <laughs> and they remember them reading excerpts of it on the show, and I was like, I was on the bus, and people were staring at me, because it was lines like, he had long, strong hands, like the wings of a moth. <laughs> And then they had to go on, like, a few, like, interviews and talk shows and stuff to say, no, it was us, it was all a goof, and it all kind of got away from us. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like something that I'd read, and it'd be 100% honest. I wonder if it's still for sale, actually. Hang on. (laughs) Here we go. Diamond Club, a novel by Patricia Harkins Bradley on iBooks. Oh, my God. And what's funny is that they loaded all of the reviews on Amazons with, like, their own people like making joke reviews yeah. and then every once in a while yeah. like maybe one every 20 you get an honestly confused person who's rated it one star <laughs> giving it a review like kind of disjointed <laughs> just trying to be nice 
And I'm looking at this, and it's like, just found it, by the way. It is still 99 cents. Excellent. <laughs> and it's this, the first review is by Bobo Brushwood. Five stars, incredible. And I thought the Fifty Shades of Grey was great. Amazing writing and a fantastic, <laughs> believable, and compelling story arc that really makes it so you can't put this book down. My wife, Bunny, is just as hooked, as is my neighbor, Max Trollbot. <laughs> I am going to link you. Yes, you go. link me to this. Oh, my God. I am 1,000% buying this. I got paid today. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. A third review. This is the great American romance novel. Saucy, thoughtful, and chock full of banging. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can find that fucking review of that terrible fucking book. There it is. Fuck this book. God damn. <laughs> I forgot that my friend Becky was like the cover image for it. Because like her peeking around a tree. <laughs> and like you can just see half of her face. So hi, hi Becky. If you're listening today. <laughs> Plan C has been in the works for a bit. Cupcakes are on trend, and I bake a mean, mean cupcake. Chocolate on chocolate, <laughs> vanilla raspberry swirl, lemon verbena absinthe, and devil's food to die for. These are everyone's favorites. I used to bake to let off steam when I wasn't losing my soul, slaving on behalf of Roman. Fuck him, I'm going to be cupcake queen once I have the money to open my bakery. And closet author in the meantime, get it? Meantime, I crack myself up. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm, was all he could manage as he tried to flip me over while gnawing on my earlobe. How did he know I love that? I must focus. Okay, I'm not going to read anymore because it gets pretty explicit pretty quick, but one sentence, it does end with, is that what you do? I quipped and dripped. I, I got nothing, man. I'm going to just start using that in something someday. I quipped and dripped. <laughs> just, uh, you know, popped in for a quick, quick drift. <laughs> Which, come to think of it, would be like a really good name for like a coffee shop and bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm now reading your review of the Phantom Medicine um, romance this, novels. This... And you said you were going to try not to make this a poop sandwich. Yeah, I did. Wow, this I is long. Make... This is yeah. really long, Mackenzie. <laughs> I got really into it. I was really upset by it. I spent money on that. I was upset I spent money on it. Dottie's sharp wit and outspoken nature has everyone in a tizzy. This is a lie. Dottie is not outspoken, nor does she demonstrate sharp wit. The closest we get to it is now and again she will go, Oh no, someone is kicking a puppy. We should help it. Or, Oh no, that poor orphan is crying. We should give him kisses and hugs and pat his back. No one is ever in a tizzy about Dottie. <laughs> it's true. It was stupid. I hate fucking it. Dottie. But this is how I get when I'm upset by a romance novel. I will write I will write my own fucking novel and tell you how much I hate your novel. <laughs> I am not a kind person. I was seeing on Twitter the other day, I forget who started it, but someone was saying it's like, did anyone else do that thing where they spotted an Anne Sleeping <laughs> Beauty novel on the shelf? And you read through oh, and you go, Oh hey, is this is this yeah. porn? Cool. And then you yeah, get about halfway through and you go, I, I'm not into this. this is not I am for not me. into this at all. Nope. Go ahead. Put this down. I read the whole thing, though. I always say I'm going to put this down and I'll just read the whole thing. I'm a liar and a deceiver. No, you're all about commitment is what it is. <laughs> I am all about commitment. Which actually, if you do read my review of books, I always say, I note how somebody will be like, well, why don't you stop it? And I don't want to give them the pleasure of having stopped me, even though they're books. <laughs> and they don't derive pleasure from that. No. Because if, if they stop me, then they win. If they stop me, they win. And only one book has stopped me. I guess two. Two books have stopped me. <laughs> Which one? One is a book about Jack the Ripper. I got it in... Wait, a romance novel about Jack the Ripper? Or no, not a romance novel. It, it oh, was, it was, it's a nonfiction okay. novel about Jack the Ripper. I got it from my high school library and I was reading it. I got 200 pages in out of like 350 pages and it still hadn't mentioned Jack the Ripper. 
Okay. I was like, I'm done. I'm bored. Goodbye. There's a certain power with the ability to walk out on something. Exactly. You know, to say, I literally do not need to know. And then you moonwalk out the door. The other is less of feeling that and that's memoirs of a geisha, which I just got pissed at and I just put it down and I haven't looked back. That's fair. Bitch should have stuck with Nobu. <laughs> so you said Nobu and I pictured the guy from Daredevil. <laughs> different film. Totally different film. Or maybe it was the same guy and he was just popping over. Maybe. From... He was just popping over for a bit and she should have stuck with him. Yeah. Bitch. And then Daredevil wouldn't have set him on fire. It's true. Or maybe he would have. You never know. <laughs> All right, Mac, we should probably think about wrapping this up. So if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet, where would they go? You can find me over at, technically, if you want to find me as a group, you can go to thegymjam.tumblr.com, and you can find us pretty much everywhere under that name, except for on Twitter, where we're the Gym Jed cast. But for me, you can find me on Tumblr under either Makila, which is M-A-Q-U-I-L-A, where I only use my phone because I can no longer do it on my PC. If you want to find me on my other Tumblr, it's MacKenzie, M-A-Q-U-E-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Or on Twitter, that's the same for me, McKenzie, MacKenzie. But that's where I am. Just follow me from the Gem Jam. That's the best way to do it, really. And the Gem Jam is heading into the Gem Infinite comics arc. So now is a oh, good yeah. time to jump on. And on I Will Fight You, have we released the Ever After episode yet? I don't think we did because Cart. Ooh, no, that one's coming up. We're doing Ever After, and then after Ever After, we're doing. After Ever After Earth. <laughs> <laughs> after Earth. That's the crossover we need. The crossover we need, but we don't want. <laughs> oh, Kingdom Hearts. Exploring oh, Kingdom Hearts. Excellent. Everything you wanted to know about Donald Duck casting Fyraga. <laughs> exactly. And never <laughs> healing when he should. God damn it, Donald. <laughs> All right, Mac. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been incredibly enlightening. <laughs> Both Annie and Kit said, please ask Mac about her hobbies. And I was not disappointed. <laughs> I have many hobbies, and I delight in all of them. Very specific set of skills. <laughs> all right, thanks. And thank you for having me on. Thank you very much to Mac Weaver for her time. When I asked Mac for suggestions for her signature cocktail, she was very, very specific. And I quote, I hate rum. I try to like it, but I have never had a cocktail featuring it I enjoy. My go-to is vodka, because that is safe. But if you want to woo me, use Vinique. Vinique is heaven sent. It is so fucking sweet, man. And it sparkles. Sparkles are huge. But I either like fruity sour, so sweet it'll kill most mortal men, or wheat ales that taste like bread with a little orange at the bottom always make me feel classy. You'd think the Vinique would make me feel classy, but Vinique makes me feel like I'm six. So here's the thing, you guys. I'd never even heard of this Vinique stuff. Luckily, a local bottle shop named Dan Murphy's is the only place that sells it in Australia. So I got a hold of it, and you guys, this stuff is wild. Like, it looks like purple liquid, and then you shake it, and it turns into, like, stardust. I'll post a gif along with the show. It's kind of amazing, and it tastes like sort of a cross between Alizé and the syrup that comes in the can with pears. And so I present the silver lining. In a shaker full of ice, combine one ounce of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, and three quarters of an ounce of elderflower liqueur. 
Shake vigorously and strain into an old-fashioned glass. Top up with three ounces of sparkling water and half an ounce of pineapple juice. Stir, then add two ounces of vinique. They lived a dangerous masquerade and drank with a passion no mask could hide. Enjoy. recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. You can follow the show on Twitter at themathofyou, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, or Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash lokified and pledge as little as a dollar a month. And again, they don't write this on the page, but you can literally pledge as much as you want. I am not going to stop you. Those that pledge get early access to episodes, physical mail, cursed tweets, and I would just really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to support in a non-monetary way, you can head on over to iTunes in the country of your choice and leave a five-star rating or write a review. I'll even read reviews out on the show. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. Head on over to bit.ly slash themathofyou, with capitals at the beginning of each word, to find a Spotify playlist with every song I've ever used going back to episode one, including this one. It's Get In Line by the Bare Naked Ladies, and it was featured on the King of the Hill soundtrack way back when, which means that me and Mac and maybe like half of the Bare Naked Ladies are the only people who remember this song. I update the playlist every Wednesday as soon as the episode is live, so make sure to subscribe and get that new music in your ears. Next week, I'll be talking to Dan Mulcairin, co-host of the Smash Fiction podcast, about progressive rock and how to get to Carnegie Hall. Join me, won't you? Every night of lane, someone thinks they've got a fine beat on me. and dog have been adjusting to a baby in their midst. Yeah. And, like, Junior just wants to sniff the baby and follow the baby everywhere. He's like, his bouquet is intoxicating. I must have him. And it's like, we, we have to continuously warn him not to lift the baby. Like, he goes in, and there's the sniff, and then we see the momentary, like, his eyes will, like, cut to us for a second. And, like, you see him lining up the tongue, and it's like, ah, no. <laughs> But the baby's nose is dry. Someone should lick it. Someone should should make sure. Someone should just make sure he's covered with wetness. Whereas, like, from, like, day one, but, like, Bolin, who's the younger of the two cats, he's much more chill, just kind of treats the baby like a roommate he doesn't hang out with. You know, just like, hey, hey. Hey, bro, same room. Oh, I noticed. I'm out. Yeah, Yeah, I I noticed we're uh, we're both on the couch. Cool, cool. You want to? No, no, we're good. We're good, okay. (laughs) 
all it took about a week to do that, which means that the baby is currently ahead of Junior in <laughs> things that Olive will tolerate because Junior and Olive have been living under the same roof for like more than a year now. Yeah. And they still cannot be in the same room together. And unlike Bolin, who when he hits Junior, will give him those little like pat, pat, pat things that kittens do. Yeah. Uh, Olive hits Junior for real. Oh, God. Like claws out. Oh, God. <laughs> and only once. That's all it takes. And so then it's avoiding forever. When my girlfriend and I were first dating, I had just gotten Olive. And so he was the tiniest, like, baby bear oh cub of a kitten. Just shy of three months old when I got yeah. him. And so d- d- like, tiny and solid black with black whiskers. My girlfriend had a phobia of cats because her grandmother had a cat, like a big cat that would, like, attack them. And she still has a scar on her scalp from where that yeah. cat would sit on the landing and, like, try and jump on their heads as they came up the stairs. Oh, God. And so, like, she was cuddling Olive for the first time, who happened to be the same color as this evil cat that she <laughs> He was, like, fine and, like, rolling around. And then he went to, like, climb up her shoulder and walk onto the back of the couch. And one claw ducked in and drew blood. Oh, God. And then she burst into tears and the cat ran away. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. playing damage control. Ow. Yeah. With my new girlfriend and my new cat. <laughs> and I've, there was no winning that no, situation. No, there wasn't. Because you can't back one without harming the other somehow. Exactly. <laughs> and then today I spent my whole day arguing with very rich ladies just in general or Uh, that's my job (laughs) argue with rich ladies what do you actually do if you don't mind me asking i actually schedule lessons for driving nothing exciting Ah. half my time is spent with very rich ladies who sent their kids to driving school calling in and saying so my son didn't show up for practice today but that doesn't mean we should pay for the lesson and i'm like oh actually yes it does because there's because you didn't cancel with 24 hours notice lady and that's our terms and conditions and you signed it three times and then they start shrieking about how i'm ruining their child's life and i'm like that's fine with me i'm cool with that (laughs) i actually only just started learning to drive at the age of 35 a couple of months ago actually totally normal it's because the the kid was on the way and so i'm like right you know i may have to drive kimiko to the hospital and also at some point i will need to drive the kid places yeah so i called up l trent is the uh sorry driving school and they come to your house and like pick you up and stuff and uh, i talked to the guy young guy named sammy and i was like okay sammy well here's the deal i need to learn how to drive for my kid he's like okay when's the kid to you i'm like well July. And he's like, all right, I'm looking at you two hours a week, every week until then, and tell you what, I'm going to push your boundaries. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> that sounds about right, honestly. What that meant was instead of, oh, you know, we'll drive to a quiet place and you can practice, it becomes, no, you're driving yes. to the quiet place. You're driving to the quiet place. On the highway. On the highway. And we're <laughs> going to make sure that it's at the busiest time so that you're the most freaked out the whole time. We're going to have you overtake a big truck that has logs on the back of it. (laughs) Don't let anyone scare you on this busiest road in Sydney. Don't let them push you around. (laughs) They're scaring me, Sammy. I don't want to be here. That sounds exactly right, honestly. Apparently, I'm also, just by my nature, I'm a fairly careful driver. And I am not pushing any envelopes. He was telling me stories about some of his other students. And apparently there's a kid he has who's like 16 and has a faux hawk. (laughs) <laughs> and wears skate shoes and like neon green t-shirts <laughs> and whenever he drives and he does a successful turn he like takes his hands off the wheel and does like a Mortal Kombat move and goes <laughs> and Sammy has to scream at him hands on the wheel hands on the wheel hands on the wheel that's incredible and when he asks the kid he's like so what do you want out of this and he's like oh I want to be better at Grand Theft Auto <laughs> and then also learn how to drive 
I said, okay, sit down. So apparently next to that kid, I'm a very easy student. Yeah, I don't think any of our students are that exciting. Most of them are either really pretentious or they just get to work. Most of our students, <laughs> at most, will just kind of want to yell at me for a little bit. And I am the sarcastic one most of the time because I don't care. They'll come in and they'll try to threaten me and I'm like, okay, do it. And then they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, just I don't care. Come at me, bro. You have no power yeah. over me. Come at me, bro. <laughs> what do you want? I will take you down. I got nothing but time. <laughs> You're paying me still. I'm still here. I can do this all night. 